Welcome everyone to another episode of A Little Breathing Space. And I'm really excited because we're kicking off season three and making a much greater focus on women and their menopausal journeys. And I'm so excited that so many women have come forward who want to share their story. And today I've got Tania Effesi, am I right? And she is here to share her menopause journey and how she's now helping other people. So Tanya, welcome to the show. Thank you. Lovely to be here. It's lovely. I mean, Tanya, you are obviously been through your menopause journey. You're an award-winning earth author and a transformational coach. But how did this journey actually begin for you? Um, in, you know, just share a little bit of your story. Yeah, yes, for sure. So I'm, so I'm 50 and I'm still, I'm still on my journey, as it were. And, um, and it really all started for me when I was 43. At 43, I started experiencing, um, well, first was a, a drop in the immune system, which I, I, I see a lot of women experience, uh, first of all, in perimenopause somehow, and some hair loss. And um, I started getting acupuncture to, to help me with, with those symptoms. But then came migraines and eczema and skin outbreaks and tender breasts. And, um, and the biggest thing for me was really, really low moods. And that was really unusual for me. And it took me a few years of trying to deal with symptoms individually to work out and, and, and finally hear about perimenopause. I knew nothing about it. And like so many women, I think, in their 40s, I came into my 40s thinking, menopause, I don't need to think about that. That's, you know, 51, <laughs> you know, what, why would I need to be thinking about that? And that, it's so peculiar because it's, um, menopause used to be a 40-something, 50-something experience. But for whatever reason, if it's a medical reason or a sort of cultural reason, we've pushed it to be the early 50 something thing. And then we put it up into perimenopause and menopause. And so many women um, come into their 40s and have no idea that change is gonna probably start in their 40s. So it took me um, a few years, like I said, to realize that I was in perimenopause and that these were symptoms commonly associated with perimenopause. And then um, it took me a little while until I could uh, really understand what creates symptoms and, and then actually uh, see something that allowed me to witness all my symptoms disappear. So I'm still moving towards menopause. My hormones are definitely fluctuating. They allow me to be in this sensitive time. But these days I, I, I just you know, very, very rarely will experience a symptom. So um, that's, that's when I saw that happen to me and I began to understand, mm, this is quite unusual, what's just happened to me, then I uh, started to share what I had seen um, to help women really discover the, the simplest um, and, and easiest way to, to reach symptom relief and to start having a more joyful life. Yeah, and I think I think so many of our listeners can relate to that. I mean, I definitely am well, similar to you, and I know I hear that from my own clients that you know we don't really realise that we're perimenopausal, it, or we don't even really know what that is. So we're wandering around thinking, yeah, when I'm fifty, suddenly my periods will stop, and maybe I'll have a few problems. But it's like we're sleepwalking into it. And, and maybe actually our pair, our mothers and grandmothers had the same experiences in their 40s, but they never talked about it. 
Yes. Yeah. Yes. I can certainly yeah. remember my mother having very severe migraines through her 40s, which were clearly related to being perimenopausal, although you know, then nobody said anything. They just went, oh, you have really bad migraines, and that was the end of it. Yet they went away when her menopause stopped. And I think so that may well have been happening then, but we, there was no conversation. I mean, now we're having a conversation and sharing, but then that was taboo. Right, right. Yes, there, there certainly is that. Um, and, you know, it's, it's so many things that sort of differ in our generation to our mother's generation, our grandmother's generation. Just the, the pace of life uh, these days is so different and the pressures uh, we face. And, um, and I think once there was this understanding that women change and now that the pressures don't change, you know, that's the message that we get, just mm -hmm. don't change. Mm -hmm. And so that influences incredibly how we're going to experience midlife change. And we have this, you know, keep on with the career, keep on, you know, being the, the super mum that you, you desire to be, keep on juggling it all, keep on um, looking and going to the gym and, you know, going to the, whatever you do, just, just don't change. And, <laughs> yeah. and I think that that really hurts us because we, we, exist in life cycles that do include change. And in fact, you know, through most of our adult life, we're in this, you know, our menstrual cycle, which allows us to change every month. And when we get to midlife, change is going to happen. And I see it as part of the design. You're supposed to go through this experience of change so that you wake up um, to what good health is, and that will protect you in the decades to come. Mm. So it's, you know, it's something that is supposed to happen. We're supposed to experience it. And we just try and turn down the volume. <laughs> yeah, I think that's true. And if you look at a lot of the conversation that is going around the menopause world, a lot of it's about get the body back you had when you were 30. And, all, and it's just not possible. We're not meant to be that person. We, we are now transitioning to you know, in my opinion, to a new self, you know, the next um, phase of our lives. And we are doing too much. We come into this period already, I think, under a lot of stress. As you said, Tanya, we have a lot going on and a lot of shoulds going on in our lives. And we're carrying that weight with us when our body is telling us to go in the opposite direction. Right, right. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting what you're saying about um, about the pressures that we feel that, you know, we need to keep the same body. And I read, you know, so many articles by fitness experts are saying, well, it's just not going to work. You know, you need to go to the gym every single day. You need to get that weight off. And the thing is that across all cultures, it appears that women put on weight and midlife and men, by the way. Hmm. And, and research has found that there is some sort of purpose, you know, healthier people in older age are a little bit more overweight. They put on weight with the years. I'm not saying sit on the couch and become a couch potato by any means. You know, research has also shown that we need movement, but more of like the natural movement. That's what's healthy for us. Yes. Some gardening, some walking, mm. um, some going up the stairs, going down the stairs. You know, th this is the thing that we should be incorporating into our life. And yet we get these messages of, no, now you're reaching midlife. You're going to have to work even harder and put your body even more. And I say to women, you know, if you want to participate in a triathlon, then go ahead you know if that's your passion but I hear from so many women that I work with you know I used to run marathons and now I just want to go out for a walk you know and I feel guilty because I used to run the marathon 
and I tell them it's fine because that's your body yeah. allowing you to move in the direction that it needs to go and that's best going to serve you and 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 it seems that this little extra weight that we put on you know midlife or a little bit more extra weight then you know perhaps that's a protective um, function, you know, perhaps it protects our bones, for example, if we were to fall, and 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 that just isn't in the narrative on midlife. You know, that sort of welcoming of, of change of a, of a different body as we move through perimenopause and menopause. No, and I think you raise a really good point that though it's we're talking about women here, that's equally applicable to men. Uh, and, and we're putting ourselves under huge pressure. I mean, some of the gym classes I've tried to go to myself, I mean, I can't keep up. My body's not, I just don't have the strength. And I'm like, no, sorry, no can do. I'm just going to take it at my pace. And you get a bit of a look from the instructor. And I'm like, well, I don't actually care. And I'm quite sure that lots of people feel that pressure. You know, you're supposed to be here every day. Well, who can get to the gym every day? Whereas you probably can get out for a walk or go up and down the stairs, as you said, or maybe even, you know, fit in a few exercise classes, whether that's just a restorative yoga class, uh, right. you know, something that you can actually manage to do or that you like doing. And gardening is super good for that, for getting really physical without right. that pressure that you've got to make this time at the gym and work till you're dead. Um, whereas maybe, you know, this gentler form of exercise, the more natural movement is so much better for us. Yes. Yes. And that's what, you know, uh, uh, studies like on the blue zones, uh, which are zones where people live longer and healthier yeah. than anywhere else in the world. So mm -hmm. for example, example, uh, the people in Okinawa and our mm -hmm. Sardinia in place in Costa Rica, you know, the, the, they don't go and do CrossFit. Right, those people do not. CrossFit, <laughs> no. and they do not lift weights, you know, every single day. But but they do do things that are naturally built into their their everyday uh, lifestyle that gets them moving more than we do currently in you know most countries in the West. So making it lighter, that whole move to change and the whole um, listening to our body a little mm -hmm. bit more and, and embracing that, I think that's so key for allowing us to have an easier journey through midlife change. Yeah, and yeah, you've raised a really important point there, Tanya, about listening to the body. Um, and I'd love to hear your perspective on that. Yes. So I, the, what, what I understood about symptoms for myself, and, and I now share with others, is that really symptoms, we, we come into midlife and we think, oh, our hormones are getting it wrong. And the symptoms are, you know, driving us crazy. And there's some sense of malfunction. Now, within society, we hear these narratives of, you know, blaming, blaming, um, th th there's this idea that women never used to live this long. And it's so interesting because it's never thrown at men, but it's thrown at women uh, saying to women, oh, you're suffering in menopause because you never used to live, you know, uh, 100 years ago, 150 years ago, women weren't living beyond midlife. Well, that's rubbish. Women have that's always rubbish. lived beyond menopause. <laughs> You know, we can, we can see menopause mentioned in the Bible and ancient in Greek and Roman literature. But what was happening is that um, it, rates of mortality around infants and children was very, very high. So that brought the whole average uh, um, life expectancy down. So there is this idea of, oh, you're never supposed to live beyond menopause. That's why your body's malfunctioning. Or there's this other idea that comes up as well, that your body's malfunctioning because it's somehow it's broken because you're a woman. Right. So these are the ideas that have come yeah. through thousands of years of philosophy mm -hmm. and science. You know, it's just been built in. 
and 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 today we're still feeling the impact of these ideas and so we get to midlife and people start saying your hormones are getting wrong and your symptoms are a sign of malfunction well what if our hormones aren't getting it wrong and what if our symptoms are part of the wisdom that already exists and always exists yeah. in our body so when the symptoms come up they're actually messages yes. and they could even be and i know women you know when i say this there'll be women going no they're not blessings but they're even actually they when you can get to a point in it and you say they're a blessing why because they're guiding us yes the wisdom in our body can only tell us that something is off balance through symptoms yep. so we we are much more like we're, we're much more able to accept that for example if we suddenly get the flu and we look back and we're like oh yeah i was working too hard partying too hard not getting enough sleep eating uh -huh. really badly <laughs> oh now i got the flu right this is yep. my body saying you yep. need to rest up but when we come to midlife and we're working crazy hours and we're running around and we're not eating properly and we're not getting enough sleep and we're mm. way, way stressed and we're carrying around this mental load and the body is trying to send us messages in this sensitive time. In fact, the hormones are lined up it, it, with this, you know, fluctuation to allow the messages to come through, you know, loud and clear, much easier, in a much easier way than they did in their 20s and 30s when the body kind of let us get away with yeah. unhealthy behaviors and, and lots of stress often, but not always. And, and now they're coming to, we're coming to this sensitive time of midlife. Our hormones are lining up in, an, in a magical way, not in a malfunctioning way, mm -hmm. to allow these symptoms to come through so that we can be guided because we're supposed to wake up to, like I said earlier, to what healthy living is. And so that's on an emotional level, on a physical level, on a nutritional level, so that we, we learn what is going to protect us in decades to come. So we are designed, and it's, you know, and it's part of not only our individual design, but it's the design of the species, that there is this grandma effect. Grandmas are important. So whether you're an actual grandma or you know you're a, you're a crone or an older woman, or however you want to mm. call it, yeah. you have a role to play. You have wisdom to give and to offer to younger generations. And this is the way the human species is designed. You know, if you can imagine that we, if women were to give birth when they were 80s and then in their 80s and then they would you know die you know when their baby is one, you know that wouldn't make much sense. So we're supposed to stop. Uh, our reproductive systems are supposed to stop and then we move on to whatever you want to call it like management level or a leadership mm. role like quite literally and in order to flourish in that role and in order to be able to offer our wisdom to younger generations we need to be wiser right that, i mean this exactly. is the, this, the name of my work you know the wiser woman <laughs> we need to tap into that wiser woman that's always been in there and she's going to just blossom up and, and bubble to the surface to guide us, but also to allow us to be in that guiding position for others. So that's, and that's really about listening to the body rather than, you know, when we get symptoms. And I know because I've been in the soup of symptoms, you know, I felt crazy and not like myself and desperate, desperate to find the thing out there that was going to fix me. Because that's, that's where I was approaching it, you know, and, you know, what is it going to be? Is it going to be the acupuncture, or the herbs or the healing or the, the creams and the potions and the, everything? When, when I realized, oh, I need to listen to what's really going on inside, and that's going to guide me. And that was the way that I was able to move past all my symptoms and, and literally watch them disappear. And so on a medical level, you could say, well, how could your eczema disappear just from, from you understanding that, that you have to listen to your body? But it did. Because as soon as I could reduce stress in my life, yeah. 
then my body was like, oh, thank goodness, now we can work properly, right? Now we can detox. Now your immune system can work as it's supposed to work. Um, now we can just get through this sensitive time and move you through this, through, through perimenopause and menopause. Well, I think that's that's so beautiful and so true that um, the whole thing about we are meant to be here as older women as a as a non fertile woman. I mean, and and we have a role to play, and that if we can come through, if we don't take care of ourselves and listen, then we don't actually able to really fulfil that role either, because right. then we end up with the cardiovascular diseases and the osteoporosis and even the dementia for which women are skewed more heavily towards, or at least equally weighted as men in terms of cardiovascular disease. When we stop listening to the body and we keep pushing, then the body says, well, no, I can't do this anymore. You're pushing against your natural self and right. the symptoms take over. But if we can dial back the stress and tune in, then we are really shifting the, the whole body, not just our brains, but also our guts and our hearts, the brain centers of the body, so to speak. And we are able to move forward feeling well. I mean, I know that from myself that when I actually took hold of my stress and that had manifested in many, many ways, my blood pressure returned to normal, which had been sky high during my perimenopause. And that was all stress related. And when there wasn't anything really not functioning with my cardiovascular system, except the continual pressure that I had on it, which interferes with your sleep, which interferes with the body's ability to rest and restore. So those messages, and they're not always physical, of course, they're emotional as well, um, allow us to make such progress, Tanya, to a, a sense of different and, and enhanced wellness. We've taken the, you know, there's like the pressure cooker, you've taken a bit of that steam and let it out a little bit in, in a very gentle and positive way. Yeah, I think what we're, what we're, up against is this sense of we're all going to malfunction, right? There's, there's this very strong sense of, you know, disease is inevitable. Mm -hmm. and, um, and it's just not true. You know, disease is not inevitable. And to go back against, the, you know, looking at the blue zones, the way people live there and what, you know, not only in terms of food and movement, but in terms of community and purpose, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. and, and, this can enable us to say, oh, wait a minute, well, what if disease is inevitable, isn't inevitable? And we have these built-in alarm systems, if you like, that are going to alert us with discomfort so that we don't get to disease. That's the whole point. And like you said, you know, there, there are all these uh, diseases now, especially sort of autoimmune disease, that are hitting women sort of eight times more than men. Yeah. And, and now there are studies coming out, perhaps linking the uh, contraceptive pill to autoimmune disease. Now, what does that mean? And I'm not saying, you know, get off the contraceptive pill, whatever, because it doesn't work like that. It's not like everyone who gets con who's taking contraceptive pill is going to go, go and develop autoimmune disease. But there are links, and what appears to be happening is that when we uh, take hormones for a long time, we are disconnecting from the rhythms of our body yeah. and from the ways that our bodies can teach us and guide us, you know, month to month year to year, season to season, you know, in terms of large seasons and where you are in sort of reproductive years and, and post, mm. uh, pre menopause, post menopause. And, and when we are just, you know, taking it hormones all the time, then we can't listen to the guidance of no. our body. And, and, and 
and what's so interesting is that I speak to so many women who've, who've taken HRT and then the doctors say they have to come off HRT because they've been on it for seven years or, yeah, yeah, or yeah. even a little bit longer and the doctor says, sorry, time's up now. And, and the thing is, once upon a time, they used to give women HRT for life. And now they're saying, okay, no more than seven years because then we, we, you know, the risks get, get higher. And guess what? They get all their symptoms back. And they're like, why is that? You know, when I was on HRT, I didn't have any symptoms because the HRT was turning down the volume of the symptoms. And, and when we come, when women come off HRT, and if they haven't made shifts, if they haven't learned the lesson of midlife, it's, it's, they haven't gone through menopause. So even if they come off HRT and they're 60, and I've heard women say, you know, I'm 60, how can I still be in menopause? It's like, well, you haven't, you haven't done the journey, right? You haven't, no. you haven't seen something new. No. You haven't seen what you're supposed to see. You haven't connected to that wisdom that you're supposed to connect to. And it doesn't mean that women who come off HRT like, have to have symptoms. Again, you know, just if listeners are on HRT, that, I'm not saying that's definitely going to happen. But it happens to so many women. And now women are saying, oh, I get it. It's just delaying the menopause. It's just delaying yeah. what I yeah. need to go through. It's just delaying the lessons that I need to learn. Yeah. So you can learn those lessons while on HRT. But the thing is, because it turns down the volume of our symptoms or, or other medications, what, we're, we're turning down the volume. Then we can't listen to the body. It, it, it's just desensitizing the body. But actually, there is a reason for us to be in this sensitive time. There's a reason for the body to to create this sensitive time so we do wake up and protect ourselves. Yeah, I think that's so true. And I think we live in a culture where we want to quick fix symptoms. It doesn't really matter whether that's uh, menopause or whether that's a cold. It's like, quick, I need to take something to fix the symptom, not listen to the underlying reasons or, or, or the transition that we're going through and why it's happening the way it is. It's just fix the symptom, it'll go away and I'll be okay. Uh, but of course now as women, and I think you said seven years, I think now the recommendations are coming down to having your HRT reviewed after three or four years now because they're so concerned about the breast cancer risks again. And, and women, are you right, haven't been through this transition fully. And if they've had symptoms, they come back or they get a different set of symptoms because the journey's not complete. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, they've still got to work on, on allowing those hormones to settle to their new natural level and, and to learn to live a, a different way. And of course, if you're taking medication, Tanya, I know your point of view is this, you're probably not fixing the lifestyle issues that are around it because they're gone now. You know, I don't need to actually think about my stress, my, my diet, my alcohol intake, whether my sleep is there because it's temporarily kind of fixed. Right, but then right. when you take it away, yeah, guess what? It's all back and you've got to work on it. And that's a, yeah. that gets a little harder as we get a little older, you know. Our habits are a little bit more ingrained. <laughs> yeah, it's just, again, it's like, you, you know, um, ignoring the natural rhythms of our body. And there's a reason for those rhythms. And, and if a listener says, well, you know, what could, be, what could that be, the rhythm of the menopause? Well, it's just like when a woman is, is pregnant or postpartum, the body is very sensitive. So if you're going to overwork, stress out, not eat well, you're going to get symptoms really quickly. And there, doctors, like if you go to the doctor with symptoms, doctors are going to say, oh, I need to go in and fix your hormones. Your hormones are getting it all wrong. But doctors are like, well, are you working too hard? You know, are you resting in our pit? Take seven days sick leave. And we understand that. And we have compassion for ourselves and our bodies. 
at that time of sensitivity, right? We say, oh yeah. And why is the body sensitive at that time? It's protecting the mother and protecting the unborn child, right? It's in its interest and it's in the human species interest. But it's the same when we get to midlife. It, we are supposed to live long, happy and healthy lives. And we're supposed to be able to contribute to younger generations without, without wisdom. Well, if we're gonna be able to get there, we need to learn the lessons about healthy living. Um, and that's, again, that, that will protect us. And that we need to teach those lessons to the younger women who are coming up behind us as well. And our, that, I think, is a role in a society where we're much more disconnected across generations isn't quite happening. It's happening yes. a bit in social media, but we've lost, as you said, in the blue zones, they have community. And that community yes. works in both ways. It works about wisdom being passed on from older generations to younger generations but it's also um, a sense that they have community and they're sharing and I think we're very isolated going through our experiences so we reach for a solution to fix it because we don't have really anybody we can talk to yeah yeah and that's really a trend that's been going on since the beginning of last century when you know before the uh, the early 1900s women's life cycle events took place outside of medicine really you know women birthed at home with midwives um you know who would get involved with with you know uh, offering you know formula it wasn't it didn't exist you know women were, were, were helping each other there was a community and of course I'm not saying, you know, that that kind of lifestyle is going to suit everyone. You know, people could find the family, extended family in your face, you know, very constricting and suffocating, etc. But there was this advantage that there was knowledge right there. That women were passing on knowledge that you, you, a woman, a girl saw women breastfeed you know, before she actually breastfed. Whereas today, you know, girls can, you know, they can be the first person that they see breastfeeding after they have their child. And it's the same, you know, women would have been more aware of, of menopause and it would, it, it would have been understood, that change would have been understood. And now when we live disconnected from certainly the tribe and the, and the extended family, we don't see it. And so like it's like every generation learning, like no one's telling us. And of course, you know, our, our, our mothers or mothers-in-law, you know, they've got their busy lives and they're not necessarily living around the corner to us. And so, so there isn't that transfer of information. And you know, luckily we do have the internet, so there, there are things available. But again, you go into the internet and the dominant story is, mm. oh yeah, you're malfunctioning, your hormones are getting it wrong, yeah. you need to be fixed. And to find that, you know, magic pill, which is what it was called in the, in the, in the 60s, you know, for mm. HRT, you know, to, to fix you. Like the, we just need to, medicine needs to come in and fix you. And, and that's really been the, the transformation of, of women, the medicalization of women's life cycles, not, on, not only during perimenopause and menopause, but also through birth and postpartum where medicine came in and said, oh, we're gonna birth the baby. You know, can the woman just please get out of the way and let us come in and birth the baby? Yeah. Very much, uh, you know, and a woman's, woman doesn't know how to make ideal uh, um, uh, nutrition for her baby. So we can, you know, medicine yeah, can come yeah. in for yeah. the superior formula milk. And the idea that runs through all of this is that women's bodies don't know. And, and that, that was what really, you know, what, what, what um, characterize the understanding of women's life cycles prior to, to the 20th century was sort of like the, well women are are not normal because they're not men yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. So, so man yeah. was the norm that continued also through the 20th century but then came in the 20th century it's like women's bodies 
particularly women's bodies just don't know. And we as medicine are going to come in yep. and we're going we're gonna to push that science onto women. And so, so the idea of, you know, women don't know how to, women's bodies don't know how to give birth, women's bodies don't know how to create nutrition for their babies. And so we must give them formula. And also women's bodies don't know how to move through the menopause. And thus we need to give them what started with ovaries, animal ovaries, because there was this idea, well, yeah. if your ovaries aren't working at midlife, then what do you need to take? You need to have ovaries because your ovaries should be not changing and should be working. No. So they used to, you know, early last century, give women animal ovaries um, to eat yeah. or inject. Yeah. And then as, um, as hormones could be isolated and better understood, then that became uh, estrogen therapy and then became HRT. So, but but the, the whole basis of that, you know, let's give women hormones, ovaries, that comes from, oh, because your body doesn't know. Your body doesn't know how to move through midlife change. Because yeah. it just doesn't. It malfunctions. And, yeah. and that is you know, what I'm trying to do in my work to recreate a, a women-centered narrative that recognizes that women's bodies, all our bodies, women's bodies and men's bodies, yeah. they all have an innate wisdom in them and they have a brilliance. And my body and your body and every woman's body, since, you know, before birth even, had a plan for menopause, right? It, yeah. was, on, it was on the agenda. You know, we, we start losing eggs even when we're still in our mother's you know mother's womb hmm. um and and that that goes that process goes on and so you know menopause has been planned it's not such that some kind of uh, um uh, evolutionary mistake no it's not it's brilliance it's a brilliance how the brilliance exists in our bodies and and if we can tap into that and really see that and start recognizing that symptoms are also part of that brilliance and our hormones do not exist outside of that brilliance but it's all connected then that is a real game changer in terms of well, that, that's so fantastic tony because i think where that dialogue for me feels like it's going is that we're moving away from a, a physical a conversation alone to a much more of an emotional and spiritual dimension to this whole journey uh which is one that is lagging long behind the one of symptoms uh, and that the discussion around that emotional and spiritual aspect becomes about fixing emotions that don't work as opposed to recognizing that this is a time when we are evolving we're going through such a, an amazing transition and yet any transition if you were to do anything that involved major change you would feel struggle so it, it's not so surprising that we might meet some challenges as right. we as we evolve, I mean, I think a postmenopausal woman, as Margaret Mead says, has zest and, you know, she really wrote about that in her whole books about this strong, powerful woman on the other side of menopause, you know, you know and I think that is, is what we become if we allow ourselves to um, be on the journey and drop the, the, the kind of narrative that we need to become the ideal vision of what a woman is today because often a woman gets defined as somewhere between 20 and 40 as this sort of this is woman and, and instead of seeing the totality of ourselves yeah absolutely absolutely and it's just i i like to talk a lot about compassion um for Same ourselves <laughs> and this sensitive time and, and once we realize that there is a purpose for this sensitive time mm. and 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 reset and we can understand the body is going through change so the body is putting energy into change to get us to the other side of menopause and so 
what we could do in our 30s or you know even in our early 40s there we just probably can't do it in terms of you know late nights pushing in all the work trying to push through etc cetera, etc cetera. and our body doesn't want us to do it and so to have compassion for like oh i'm just going to slow down i'm just going to listen to what i want to do and i hear that a lot from women actually no matter where they are in their in their journey and how many symptoms yeah. they're experiencing so often they'll say to me you know one thing i just don't care what other people think and it's so it's it, i hear it so often that it's you know i think it's a thing it's a kind of a design thing <laughs> 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 that, that we get to this point in midlife and and why do we not care what other people think because that's healthy the body yes. knows the body knows what's healthy so when we're living with high stress the body knows it cannot function properly and so it's going to send us symptoms because it can't put out a banner and say you know watch out for your stress it will send us symptoms until we come to understand how our stress is created and how we can just let it go and yeah. and and we can do that through among other things you know sort of awareness and and compassion just like oh yeah i can just slow down i can just connect with what i love i can just say no if i want to say no and i can just go at a different pace because that's really what is called for at this yeah. time of change yeah. and like we, we spoke about before you know we don't see that because we don't live in these multi-generational families no. anymore. but it would have been you know in japan for example where they oh, have yeah. the word cranky which means yeah. something very different from our association with menopause it sort of means oh. you know shift in energy and seasons yes and you know there is this understanding that a change occurs and 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 so you like if the whole of society sees that or oh, change occurs and there's some more compassion like the woman is going through change yes. that will really impact the way we can go through midlife change oh def definitely i think that is that that there is this shift in energy and this allowing ourselves to be part of that finding that being compassionate and i think that's a big journey for women i think many women have very low self-compassion to be honest and and that really everybody else and uh, comes first everything else comes first and but that is a real plus lesson to learn it's a real it's a way of living actually i think that we can embrace at this time and take it with us into into the postmenopausal phase and i and i think if women can embrace compassion earlier then their transition through menopause would be so much easier um, to have. And I always think we're, we're busy talking about mindfulness, but we forget that, you know, in the Buddhism, there's the Garuda bird and one wing is the mindfulness part, but the other wing is always compassion and without it, the bird doesn't fly. So in many ways, we need both the awareness and the compassion to be able to listen to the body to the subtle signals and then the louder ones that it sends when we don't listen but then to have the compassion to um just be i think and to be okay yeah. with how we are yeah exactly exactly and it's a sort of a letting go of the shoulds where i should be in my career where i should be living what i should be doing and how i should be mothering and how i should be you know showing up in the world and how i should be going to the gym every day and and just think right now my body really needs me to show up differently and really yes. needs yeah. me to 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 move at a different pace and really needs me to perhaps cut out the alcohol or really needs me to you know take a look at my diet and really needs me to just not go where the stress is like just 
you know, recognize where, how that is created and just say, okay, it doesn't matter what thoughts are coming through my head. And that thought that so many women hear, and, and I was also caught in that of like, I'm not enough. Like it, it just doesn't matter that we hear that thought because it's, it's never going to define us. We're much more than, than any single thought. So those thoughts can come in and we don't need to stop them and we don't need to change them. We just need to know that they can come in and they'll go. And that's, that's how we can just move through this sensitive time in such a different way and such a, have such a different experience of it. That's so beautiful, Tanya. I mean, I just love hearing everything that you're doing and how you're helping women. And I, I love talking to you. And I think I could, we could keep talking all day, actually. <laughs> it's yeah. probably very kind of aligned in the way we think about this transition and, and what's really important for us. But I, I would like to ask you, I mean, you help women. How could women who wanted to get in contact with you reach you? Yes, so they can, uh, my website is thewiserwoman.com, thewiserwoman.com. And from there, I have lots and lots of blog posts. That's a great resource to start with, um, to explore more about uh, what, we've, what we've shared here. Um, and, and I offer an online course and one-on-one coaching. And, um, and you know, there's, there's lots to, to explore on the website. And I'm also on Facebook and, and Twitter can find a way to, to be in touch that's great tanya i've loved talking to you thank you so much for coming on the podcast <laughs> pleasure pleasure thank you well i hope everybody really gained so much value i think we talked a lot about some really important aspects we touched on the listening to the body uh, lots of conversation about how this is really a natural journey not one that is medical or something wrong with us and that compassion, at the very heart of it, having compassion for ourselves. So check out thewiserwoman.com and Tanya's blogs and get in touch with her. And until next time, go well. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.